Hello, everybody. Welcome back to a, another week, another episode of Bunch of Beauties presented by Pucker Up Sports. I am Sam Prevo. I'm a senior editor at Pucker Up Sports and a podcaster now for Pucker Up Sports, I guess. Uh, and I am joined, as usual, by Jennifer Molia, who uh, the, the transcription never has my last name right. So we're going to try again this week and see if the transcription can detect my last name. <laughs> who is also a writer at Pucker Up Sports and also a podcaster at Pucker Up Sports. Hi. And uh, I'm Ariel Melendez, also a writer for Pucker Up and also a podcaster. Yay. We're officially doing the thing, guys. This is like a thing now. It makes me so happy. Right? It makes me so happy, too, that this is all coming together. Um, So I do, before we jump into the very serious women's hockey stuff going on, because it's very important that we talk about what's happening. I just want to like brag on myself a little bit because I went to the Canes game last night and the Hurricanes shut out the Florida Panthers and now they're number one in the NHL. So true. And it's just, guys, I, the first of all, I think we can all agree that not being able to go to games in person has been like the worst thing ever. Yeah. Yeah, But now being able to not only go back to games, but to, like, watch your team do the thing. Do so well, yeah. Do so well. It's, like, insane. And I've been to three games so far since they started allowing fans again. I've been to three. Alex Nadelkovich has started all three. <laughs> and he got a shot out last night. So I'm not, I mean, I'm not saying that I'm, like, good luck for him or whatever, but, like. She's not saying, but she's also not. Not saying. I mean, <laughs> I mean, but we. I mean, I wanted to talk about the Canes in general just because I think they're flying very under the radar. Yeah. I think they're like one of the least talked about best teams in the league ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Like they they were on NBC playing Chicago, and at the at the time they were in the hunt for first place in the division. They weren't first place yet, but they were close. They were like third or second behind the two Florida teams, and. All they could talk about at NBC was how important this game was for Chicago. God, that's so annoying. I'm like, hello? And John Forslund, bless his soul, he was, like, trying to bring up the Canes, and they kept, like, <laughs> trying to bring up, like, how good a job Rob Brindamore's doing. And I'm, like, sitting there, like, they don't want to talk about this. They want to talk about Patrick Kane like they always do. Of course. So I hope now that they're in first place... They swept the two-game series with the Panthers. Last night, the Panthers, at the end of the game, were you could see how frustrated they were. And I loved it. (laughs) And Sam was a fan. (laughs) But, but like, all my fandom aside, like, the fact that, like, the Panthers, all anyone's been able to talk about is how good they've been this year and how, like, unbeatable they've been this year. And the Canes, the the game on Tuesday was back, very back and forth and crazy. Mm. But... Yesterday's game, they completely, like, the first period, neither team really got any shots off. But then the next periods, like, it was all Canes, towards the, especially towards the end. Mm-hmm. So I just hope that they get some respect on their name. You know what I yes. mean? Because you, you have, and you have underrated players playing there, like Martin Natchez and the goalies, like Alex Nadelkovich breaking out and everything. So it's not mm-hmm. just your usual, like, Aho and Hamilton and et cetera. So... I don't know. I'm just that's my two cents on that. And I I I I'm looking forward to the home stretch of the season for especially just the central in general, but with the hurricanes. So that's my two cents. That was my little <laughs> spiel to start. I like it. I'll be yeah, I'll be honest. I like 
we had heard about the Panthers and how good of a season we that they were having. And when when you put in the, in the notes that they were in first place, I was like, oh, they are. Yeah. Like, I had I had no idea. Now that also could just because I'm not necessarily paying attention to that division, but yeah, I feel like you don't hear a lot about the Hurricanes as one of the better teams in the league, and the fact that. I feel like I'm pretty connected to the NHL, and I didn't even know they were in first place. Yeah, I I think I think the schedule and the divisions thing has played a role for sure. Like you said, you're not watching that division, and normally you would be because they'd be in the Metropolitan with the Flyers, mm-hmm. and everybody would be playing everybody, right? You're only playing within mm-hmm. your division, so you don't really care what other divisions are doing until the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's definitely playing a role in it. But yeah, it's crazy that. St- the Hurricanes are just flying under this radar of like they're they're still in single digits, I think, with losses, with regulation losses. Mm-hmm. So, it's so crazy. Like, yeah, it's crazy. So I, yeah, they have they've lost nine times in regulation. So I I think the only other team, yeah, the only other team in single Colorado. digits is, is Colorado. Yeah. So. I mean, I, I think Joel Quenville's a runaway for the Jack Adams, but I think Rod brindamore has been like screwed out of that award for like since he took over the, <laughs> yeah. since he took over the team, to be fair. Um, but they're just such a fun group to watch. Um, they're just chaotic and fun and I love them. Uh, fo- and their Twitter is an amazing follow. So <laughs> I, I just hope that this is the this is the beginning of uh, more awareness of them, I guess. <laughs> Carolina Hurricanes awareness. Carolina, I just want to raise Carolina Hurricanes awareness, guys. That's my mission. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Okay, so now that we got that out of the way, um, let's talk about something uh, a lot more serious. We're going to take a hard left because it, it just needs to be done. Um, we're going to start with women's hockey today because this has been pretty much my entire Twitter timeline this week. Me too. Um. So on April 4th, um, this is uh, from Melissa Burgess. Um, She does a lot of just hockey writing in general uh, for a bunch of different outlets, but she covers mostly in Buffalo. So she said, here's a taste of what the, quote, women's sports policy working group, whose supporters include Toronto 6 head head coach Digit Murphy, has to say about transgender girls and women competing in sports. And then this is the quote from Digit. Just one or two trans girls who are decent athletes will displace a lot of females. Thanks. And then the six tweeted in uh, the next day, the Toronto six core values are about inclusion, empowerment, and education. All are welcome to play. This is a great opportunity to have a conversation on the important topic of transgender athletes. So mm-hmm. basically saying nothing. Yeah. And then the NWHL put out a statement because they were asked for comment. They said the NWHL is committed to creating safe and inclusive spaces while maintaining competitive equity in professional women's hockey. We are also committed to education and evolution. All league policies and bylaws are subject to review and modification in accordance with the rapidly changing world we live in. Our policy regarding the participation of transgender athletes will be reviewed ahead of next season. Um, so, so again, nothing. Yeah, it's they said nothing, and I, I, they brought up their transgender athlete policy, um, because that was with the comments that Digit made. The people went back and kind of put the rules that they had made under a microscope. Yeah, and my one devil's advocate of this is that they wrote the policies when 
Harrison Brown was playing in the league. Yeah. And a lot of the rule was designed with him in mind. Like to keep him in the league. To keep him in right. the league because they wanted to keep him in the league yeah. as they should. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then I don't know how much they really looked into it or wanted to change it after right. that. So that's my one devil's advocate for in the NWHL's favor of why this policy why the kind policy of state, is why the, the policies right why the policies yeah. the way it is why if why people like why it was kind of under the rug till now mm-hmm. um, but I do want to read it because someone did the at J the goalie J Forster tweeted it so we could all see it it says um, this is the trans inclusion policy. People designated female at birth, regardless of their gender identity. Uh, The athlete may not take testosterone hormone therapy. Athletes transitioning to male who undergo hormone therapy will be ineligible. So as soon as you go on T, you cannot play in the NWHL is basically what that says. That was one. Uh, Article two, I guess that's how you read this. Article Mm -hmm. two. Those who transition from male to female are eligible to compete under the following conditions. One, the athlete has declared that her gender identity is female. The declaration cannot be changed for sporting purposes for a minimum of four years. So basically they're saying like no take backs for four years. If you say you're, if you say you're female, then you're female for four years, which I don't know why they have the, don't okay. question. Yeah, I don't know why you have this. I don't know why they're like that. policing that. But okay. Yeah. The, I don't know where four years comes from. Yeah. The athlete must demonstrate that her total testosterone level in serum is within typical limits of women athletes. The athlete's total testosterone level in serum must remain in the typical range of women athletes throughout the period of desired eligibility to compete in the female category. Compliance with these conditions may be monitored by testing. In the event of noncompliance, their eligibility will be suspended for 12 months. So basically, you have to be hormonally equivalent to a female. I don't really understand it. I'm not I'm not... I'm not a doctor, so, so I don't get that. <laughs> yeah, the way the way I guess, and this may be me just repeating exactly what you just read, but kind of just saying it in simple terms, is basically your hormone level has to be equivalent to that of a female. But I guess if you have any testosterone, it, it has to be very little. Is well, I'm... everyone, so every human yeah, yeah, naturally yeah. has it in yeah. them. It, yeah. We all have it to varying <laughs> levels. Mean. Yeah, yeah. So it's like as long as your testosterone level is of that, that you normally would have if you were, like, I don't want to say this, any of this in the wrong way because it is such a, like, a tough line to, mm-hmm. yeah. to, to be on. Basically, your testosterone level is where it would be as a female. Yeah. Yeah. And so Jay continued. Yeah. Jay continued the thread. um, And in a way that I think is very, I couldn't have explained it like this. So I'm glad that he explained it because this is what he, I want to read this. This is what he said. Uh, Trans men are well, this is, he's breaking it down. So he says trans men are welcome, but only if they haven't medically transitioned. This concept that medically transitioning makes them quote too much of a man is outdated and harmful. There have been almost no studies showing that uh, hormone treatments for trans men and non-binary people has a specific and concrete effect on their sporting performance. There just hasn't. Like cis people, trans people have wildly varying levels of hormones, and you can't decide that they should have have to choose between sports and their identity. You can't write a policy of trans inclusion saying that trans men are welcome and then start making out what is and what isn't an acceptable level of transition. Either trans men are welcome or they're not. And then uh, that's his second point was trans women are uh, are subject to testing to make sure they don't have too much testosterone and are therefore an unfair advantage. 
on the cis women. Once again, cis people can have wildly varying levels of hormones. Will you be testing the cis players to make sure they have an acceptable level of testosterone? No? Weird. Yeah, I I agree with all of that wholeheartedly. I was going to say something like, just from my own experience in life, I know because of like certain things with my body and like certain conditions and stuff I have, like I have more testosterone than like most girls do. And like, that's just a thing. I, I am a girl biologically through and through. That is just, that is just me. Um, but that's just like how my body is. And I just know that. So like, I, I honestly hadn't read this policy probably since they first put it out um, to keep Harrison in the league, which was 2017 2018 I think so reading over it again I was I kind of had the same sentiments that you read in the thread like okay if you're gonna test uh trans people in the league to make sure their testosterone levels are where they're supposed to be what happens if you test everyone in the league and a cis woman has higher testosterone levels than a trans person that's trying to be in the league then what do you do because that backs you into a corner like I I think the policy as a whole is just outdated by so much and like you said i understand that um when they were presented with the i don't want to say problem because it's not a problem but i guess presented with the situation of having the first trans person in the league when harrison came out i guess they were like okay well we need to have some sort of protocol to the phrase explain this away comes to mind but i think you guys know what i mean like we we have to have some sort of like just justification for this because this is the national women's hockey league and he has just announced that he is not a woman so i can understand that that is why the transgender policy was made but he hasn't been in the league for i think 20 20 it was three three years i think yeah yeah 2018 he won the cup with the riveters and that was his last year i think so, so i feel like something should have been done should have been done between now and then um to update it make it more relevant make it less um harmful i'll say Um, and in regards to just this argument or debate in general, it shouldn't be an argument or debate. If you are a woman, you should be able to play in the National Women's Hockey League. I don't care what your biology or transition status or whatever. If your gender identity, if you identify as a woman, okay, you're a woman. I'm not going to fight you on it and nobody should fight you on it because that's just your identity. And this notion that they're going to be at an un- uh, an unfair advantage or you know this is an equity because they're they're going to be at this advantage I just think is absolutely ridiculous um, and I think that you know gender equity in general is something that we want to fight for and putting this fight or debate or argument or whatever I in quotes um, under that umbrella of equity is just really doing a disservice to the actual fight for gender equity and for getting women equal opportunities so it, it really it really just is like I said it's not a debate it's not an argument it shouldn't be and the only other thing I want to say um about this in my in my initial statement I guess um is that Alyssa Turner who we've talked about before who yeah. I've worked closely with um she mentored me for my senior project internship and I learned a lot about the work that she had put into running the social media accounts and just she she was so passionate about she still is so passionate about what she does and I saw how hard that she worked you know through all the controversy that surrounded the NWHL this season for one reason or another um she was so focused on making 
the Toronto Six accounts and the NWHL accounts and whatever account that she ran, she was so focused on making it an inclusive space and inclusive community for anybody and everybody who want to be in there. You know, we would have discussions about making sure videos had captions, making sure things had transcript, making sure everything is accessible for everyone, making sure everything's inclusive for everyone. And so the fact that this happened, I think her official last day with them was March 31st. And this came out, what, April 4th? Yeah. Like, that is absolutely insane that she worked so hard to create this place for everyone. And it's crumbling, what, four or five days after she leaves? It's it's absolutely embarrassing. Um, yeah. And no, it is. The, the most recent update that I had seen, and I don't know if you guys saw this on Twitter, but another embarrassment is that whoever is running the Toronto Six I was going to bring this right up now, so you can, mm-hmm. you can talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, they liked a tweet, which I will pull up right yeah, now. I was, I was going to talk about it in, I was going to talk about it in vague terms about what the guy said, but you can, you can say it word for word. Um, yeah, yeah because it's, while you look it up, there was a lot of, there was a lot of backlash after this is what, what I was going to say. And, um, they're trying to do some PR stuff with the, with the statements, but like, please. And, um, the six put out of like a conversation podcast, whatever between one of their players and digit where they talk about like inclusion and like being better and like learning or whatever which i thought was not the move my my understanding of that so the podcast that went out today i didn't listen to it because i'm not giving them my stream right now um but the the description that they had so that it was a conversation between one of the players and digit about like mental health and like digit coaching this season and i was like read the room like I, I guess this was scheduled before oh, so it wasn't happened. even so it wasn't even about what's happening now no no oh so I misread that yeah so I think oh, so that's that even worse then yeah yeah I, I think the thing that you're thinking about is the day that the six tweeted their um their little statement if you want to call it that they made another tweet where they said that I don't know her name off the top of my head but they said they were going to put out a podcast episode with I think a trans woman that's involved with sports I can get her name um uh, and they were gonna yeah, like you have uh, it ariel yeah good no because I, I was going on their page as mm-hmm. you were kind of talking uh see i'm i Brie is it i don't know if it's like brianne brinker is it was what i'm gonna we can say brianne yeah yeah Brienne's i think probably right. brinker yeah, yeah. <laughs> i like hesitated for like a second <laughs> but yeah, so I they had said they were going to do a, a podcast to start the conversation. This conversation has been going on for longer than, the, than this league has existed. We're not yeah. starting any conversation. So yeah. that aside. There shouldn't even... It's not even a conversation. It's not a conversation. It's not a debate. It's nothing. It's, it's, it okay. is what it is. And but, it's, <laughs> it's insane that, that this is happening and they're so resistant to actually addressing it and making a change oh, yeah. when... they. A very, I would say the majority of women's hockey's and the NWHL's fan base are queer, LGBT, whatever, under that umbrella of LGBTQ+. The alphabet mob, if you will. The alphabet mob, that's what I was going to say. That's what, so the tweet that the Toronto Six liked Mm -hmm. was uh, a a man in, so whoever is running the Toronto Six account, and apparently they found out who did this, liked a tweet from some guy saying in support of their decision to support digit yeah basically like digit's great thank you for supporting her because you don't need to like give in to the alphabet mob or whatever yeah so the the person's display name was yetus t williams yetus um and the tweet (laughs) 
The tweet is, So glad you didn't bend to the will of the alphabet mob. Murphy is a great coach, and the team is lucky to have her. And here's, and here's the issue with that. I frankly do not give a heck about whether or not Digit Murphy is a great coach. I'm sure she, I'm sure she was a great coach. They had such a great season. But at this point, if transphobe or homophobe or anything under that umbrella comes before, that has to come before being a great coach. Because if, if, if you're bigoted in any way, shape, or form, you don't belong anywhere, frankly, but you don't belong in the NWHL of all places. Um, and so I don't care if she was a great coach. I'm sure she was a great coach, but couldn't care less at this point. I honestly, I'm so incredibly, immeasurably disappointed in the NWHL for how they've handled this and in the Toronto Six, um, as, as a whole for whoever's handling this for the Toronto Six, because it's absolutely embarrassing. And like I said, because of the space that Alyssa as a social media manager tried to build for this team. Um, for them to undo that in a matter of days is just horrifying, and I can't imagine how she feels. Um, I love her so much. Um, and the fact that the only kind of response that we've seen to this, again, no direct response, no direct addressing. Thanks so much. What did I literally say last week about the NWHL and transparency? Thanks, guys. Um, the only sort of response that I've seen was today, um, like an hour or two ago, Carly Jackson, who is the Buffalo Buttes goaltender, she tweeted, Hockey is for all of us always, to our fans and LGBTQ2S plus members. I didn't know there was a 2S. Yeah, I saw have, that. <laughs> we wouldn't have had the success we've had without all the love you give us. We love you back and I stand with you. And then the Buttes account quoted it and said what she said with a heart. So, so I just things. Yeah, um, so a minute ago, actually. Uh, there was a, it seems like there's similarly sounding statements coming out from all the other teams. Okay. So this is the one from the whale. The rest of them, uh, seem to have basically the same wording or like Mm -hmm. almost the same. Yeah. The the Connecticut whale are proud of our trans family members. We will always work to be stronger members and allies, uh, to change systems that exclude our non-binary fans and work with organizations locally to fight our, to fight for our LGBTQ. T L G they spelt it differently. L G T B Q I A plus community. Cool. We we believe strongly that trans rights are human rights and we will continue to keep the pod a safe and exclusive space for all. So the that the other four teams put out almost an identical statement, obviously just changing like their team names and their and their fan base. Yeah, and their fan base. And like that I honestly like that better than um than like the initial league statement because that that use of the word equity like I said before just felt like such a slap in the face because you remember like a couple months ago the NWHL released shirts that said like equi- equity over equality with the team logos and the I think the proceeds went to Black Girl Hockey or Black Girl Hockey was involved in it so like they know what equity means they know what the fight for equity is and they said mm, actually no it's not actually Actually, we're going to use equity to justify our transphobia, and you're going to have to watch it happen. Go into WHO. Um, so there's the wording a lot of is. there's been a lot of uh, opinions that this is in their effort to kind of stay the baby sister to the NHL. Yeah, and I think that's a very interesting take. I, I'm sorry if I cut you off from saying something. No, else. you're totally fine. Um, I thought that was a very interesting take because a lot of people had the same 
stance on this mm-hmm. and that their silence on the situation and their lack of transparency is somehow in this effort to kind of have a please like our sport mentality and like a uh, please keep supporting us because we're we want to be the NHL's child basically yeah um and how a lot of people obviously I think mostly NWHL fans don't want the NHL support yeah absolutely so I think this is a an interesting like because they're taking this one stance and their entire fan base is like we don't want this for sure I I agree with that I've seen other people suggest that and I think it's really interesting because we've seen um what happened earlier this year with um with the NWHL and the barstool involvement and it was a it was a similar I feel bad that I even had to say their name because I don't even want to give them the time day but it's a similar kind of situation where um Eric Nardini wanted to be involved in the NWHL and all the fans were like please don't do this and I guess barstool in turn wanted to be involved with the NWHL and again fans were like I don't think this is a good idea. Please don't do this. I don't want you to do this. And it's like, it it's it's a similar situation again because I felt like they would do everything but like denounce Barstool, so to speak. Like I felt like they did everything to kind of tiptoe around it. Um, and once again, you know, you had Carly Jackson being the one stepping up for the Buffalo Buttes, much like Soraya Tinker was the one who had to step up from the Riveters with all of the controversy going on earlier in the year, which begs the question, why are the rookies or the younger, newer players the ones who are being the voice of reason in a league with however many players who have been playing for however many years and with personnel who's being completely silent? It shouldn't be on a rookie to make this kind of statement. Um, but my my point of that whole tangent was that, you know, earlier in the year, like during the Lake Placid stuff, it really felt like they were trying so hard not to alienate like this barstool fan base. And now I feel like they're doing something similar where they don't want to alienate the the their potential fan base that thinks that trans people shouldn't play sports or whatever. And it just brings me to why do you want them to be your fans when you have all these fans who aren't homophobic or transphobic? Um, but that's- yeah, and those and those fans <laughs> built you got you to where you are now, right? So why yeah why alienate them now? That makes no sense. Like it's, to it's to such do a what? It's yeah, it is a huge slap in the face, and and I just don't understand what's going on with that. It's it's and so Marissa and Jemmy, who's we've talked about her before. She's a star. Um, she's been totally Great. on top of this, like going deeper and deeper than pretty much anyone else covering this right now. And so she tweeted this an hour ago. The NWHL's largest sponsor, Discover, was named the best company to work for for LGBTQ plus equality for seven consecutive years, which I did not know. Wow. I didn't and know that so either. she reached out to them for comment regarding Digit Murphy's involvement with this whole situation. And she said she'll update. Yeah. Um she she is great. She's been she's really been on the pulse of this whole thing and has been informing everybody pretty it seems like as soon as she finds stuff out, which has been great. Um, like I've said before, I think that the NWHL does tend to have a problem with uh, transparency and clarity and having somebody like Marissa um, covering all this has been awesome. And yeah, I'm, I'm so angry. I, I think you really hit the nail on the head when you said that, you know, the fans that built the sport in this community and this fan base and this league are largely LGBTQ plus or allies or 
just involved in this community somehow. And, you know, I, I had seen somebody tweet earlier, I don't remember exactly who it was, but they were like, you know, think about the people who create content for the NWHL. Think about their employees. Think about the people who cover them. Think about the people who make fan cams for them on Twitter. Like, a large percentage <laughs> of those people fall into this so-called alphabet mob. Like, it just, oh, it's such a slap in the face. And to to kind of segue to a different kind of women's hockey news, the Anya Badaglino yeah. Packer news that came out that she's going to be general manager of the Riveters, right? Yes. Yeah. So. I mean, if none of this was happening right now, I would be shouting from the rooftops how happy I am for her and about yeah. this because I I think she's amazing um, as a human being, as a businesswoman, as everything. I think she's great. I really can't say a bad thing about her. And I think it'll be great for the Riveters. I think it, we'll get a lot of fun content out of it. Um, and they had, they had moved... I'm trying to think of what the moves are because I don't think they have a PA director right now. No, and they I was, was going to ask, gonna ask if yeah. they had replaced her yet, but I don't think they yeah, have. I don't think they have a PA director, and I believe they moved Kate Whitman-Annis into yes. the W Hockey Partners position yes. they were trying to fill. Yes. Um, I was going to so, bring this up because it, it. I feel bad for them because all of this is just distracting from what should be two very exciting things for the league. Yeah. And yeah. Anya just on her own has done so much for the league and the oh, yeah. growth of the league. And now she's going to, you know, try to make the riveters even better than they already are. And for that to go like, not unnoticed because people did notice, but not for it to go on under celebrated because yeah. the league is shooting itself in the foot right now mm -hmm. is, is such a disservice to her. Absolutely. I agree. It, it very much feels like, and I could be wrong that this could have just coincidentally, this move could have been made while this stuff was happening, but it very much feels like a PR move to get everybody's minds off of what's happening with the six and with Murphy and to say, Hey, everybody loves Anya Packer. Uh, let's put attention on Anya Packer. So maybe you'll forget about the transphobia we're ignoring. Um, and she deserves so much more than that, as you said. So it's, it's just generally a very, dark time in women's hockey right now and I'm hoping that that is fixed soon because I mean I've seen a lot of people on Twitter saying you know they they would potentially cancel season tickets or stop watching unsubscribe from Twitch and all things like that if this were to continue to go unaddressed or to be addressed poorly and I think that really says something about the fan base that the NWHL has built thus far that we are so passionate I say we as a fan of the NWHL um you know, that, that they have built a fan base that is so passionate and is willing to put their money where their mouth is and be like, okay, you can stand for this as a league, but we as fans won't. Um, yeah. And I think that's something that's that's really powerful. Um, and yeah. so, it yeah. It is powerful. It's a, it's a testament to the community that, this, that the sport builds because I'd rather have it that way than cater to all of these, these people, these bigoted, horrible people. Yeah. Like... Yeah. In in big like in men's sports, like in in the let's do a direct comparison in the NHL, <laughs> right? People can th threaten to cancel subscriptions and threaten to do whatever and that has no impact. Yeah, nothing's like, going to happen. Like just just keep going because it's a it's a it's a machine and it's a business and it keeps it keeps running and for the NWHL to genuinely have a community that cares so much to to say things like that and to 
give all their time and energy into trying to correct this wrong is something special and should be that's what they should be catering to not and and as someone who used to work in the league and uh someone who and like we know people who who have worked there mm-hmm. i've seen so much disappointment from them and that yeah. that is even like that hurts like more if that makes sense just because i agree I don't want I don't ever want them to think that their work is going to waste. Like mm-hmm. Alyssa especially because what her because obviously the Toronto Six and the league accounts are losing followers and losing engagement and stuff and she Didn't they lose like 300 followers since this has happened? I yeah. saw that number get yeah, thrown out. Yeah, and the and the number is probably going to go up. And so oh, yeah. for and I saw Alyssa talk about it like her saying like to watch everything that I worked so hard to build up just get like basically thrown away is heartbreaking and my heart breaks for her because when you run a social media account, like that's your baby, right? Like Mm -hmm. you are creating all of that content. So to watch your work and the thing that you built when it's not yours anymore, to see it handed off to somebody else. And so quickly, like you said, March 31st to April 4th, Mm -hmm. to see it just go to shit. So like, excuse my language, but to see it go to shit, like so quickly. It's true. It's so sad. I just it's so heartbreaking. I I hope that I hope that the, that this can be like they can learn from this and move mm-hmm. on and we can not move on from it because we shouldn't move on from it, but to I know what you mean. But to just deal with it in a way that is ends up benefiting everybody. Yeah. I, I don't agree. know how else to word that. That but I think the the my message is getting through, but Yeah. I mean, I'll say it. I don't think Digit Murphy should have a job. No, she absolutely shouldn't. Yeah, no, no, absolutely not. That, as I said earlier, bigotry shouldn't have a place anywhere, but especially in the NWHL. Yeah, get out. Get out. Especially, like, I mean, it's not even the fans. Some of the players, uh, Anya Packer and Madison Packer, they're, they're in the LGBT community. They're members of that community. Yeah, and we we haven't mentioned it thus far, and I think it's worth mentioning uh, Jessica Platt's thread on Twitter that I think was part of what really kickstarted this was her talking about the experiences that she had um, trying to play for the Toronto Six or being in discussions with the NWHL about playing. Um, she had said... I'm on her Twitter right now. I forgot how long it was. But she had essentially said that she was in talks. Okay, found it. Um, so the original Melissa Burgess tweet that you had read earlier about the Women's Sports Policy Working Group, Jessica Platt, um, she's a transgender woman. She had played for the Toronto Furies. Um, she's a great follow on Twitter. I love her. She said, so here we go. Before the NWHL bubble, when Toronto didn't have a full roster, I contacted their general manager and expressed an interest in playing. I wanted to play hockey and hear how everything was going to go down. I got some information. We had what I thought was a great chat, and I was told my information would be passed on to the head coach. I eventually heard nothing. Seeing this now, all I can think is this is why I didn't get a call. Now, it could be because I'm aggressively average in the pro levels, and I thought I could work my way up, and I thought I could work my way up and thought I could if given the chance. I won't be able to know for sure now. This group states they want to include trans women, but a sentence layer contradict themselves. You can't fight to... You can't claim to fight for women's sports without including all women. That means trans women because trans women are women. And that just, again, just broke my heart because, like like we've been saying over and over, the NWHL's community of players, of personnel, of employees, of fans, everybody surrounding the NWHL is either an ally or is involved in the LGBT plus community. And to see how um, 
Digit Murphy's beliefs may have directly affected a player that could have played in the NWHL. And she is, Jessica Platt is a fairly big, fairly known name within the women's hockey community. Like, I, I almost never watched the CWHL when it was in existence, and I know who she is. And that could have been, like, a huge draw for the NWHL for the Toronto Six in their first season. And the fact that this could potentially be why that didn't happen is just laughable, heartbreaking, embarrassing, a lot of words. Um, but yeah. yeah. No, it is. Ooh. And it's just... <sighs> I, this is going to get worse before it gets better, unfortunately, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I would really like to see the policies get um, get changed. I feel like that's a step in the right direction. I would like to see Murphy without a job. I think that's a step in the right direction. And yeah, I, I just really think... I'll, I'll, I'll end my little rant by saying this. I think the fans have done a really good job of kind of like keeping on the throat of the NWHL with this like every one of the league's tweets or the sixes tweets the replies have just been filled with address your transphobia like why aren't you addressing your transphobia so I think that if the fan base continues to do that hopefully we will continue to see more stuff going in the right direction because they've done a great job of that yeah and I totally lost my train of thought <laughs> excellent um yeah I just it's been five days and I just I, I don't I think that Getting a committee together maybe will help, like the yeah, like, like the that. NHL's like diversity uh, panel committee, whatever it's called that they put together with Akima Lou. Mm-hmm. Um, I think doing something like that just more of an advisory panel than anything on how to change the the rules. Because how do you change a policy if you don't have insight from medical personnel from members of the trans transgender community like you need them to consult on it I think so I think that would be obviously firing digit Murphy is step one but then doing something like that I think will show not only their commitment to change but then actually help them enforce like enact and enforce that change yeah because because like we said there's so many members of this community in the league already but obviously they're not being consulted or you their full the all the ways that they can help the league not all of them are being are being uh capitalized on so yeah to me it's it's very reminiscent of the um black lives matter situation um with the nwhl a couple months ago where and with the nhl too i wrote an article about this for pucker up but essentially a lot of these leagues were saying like we're gonna take action we don't stand for racism black lives matter well a lot of them didn't explicitly say black lives matter which is great but it, essentially many leagues including the nhl and the nwhl were saying that they were gonna take action against racism and be vehemently against it and what happened the, NW- the nwhl put patches on jerseys that said end racism Thank you so much. Your patches ended racism. Thank, thank you. Like, and and they the individual has been better than most leagues um, in terms of putting their money where their mouth is. You know, working with uh, organizations like Black Girl Hockey and Soria Tinker Scholarship Fund. But at the end of the day, if if the words aren't followed up with action, it's not going to mean anything. And I think that's really what it's going to come down to with this situation. It's a lot of performative activism. Oh, yeah. On both sides, on the mm-hmm. women's and men's side. I mean, I, I've talked about this before, and I, I think I've wanted to mention this on, on the podcast before. But, I mean, the NHL, they go so hard for 
St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. And then for for Pride, they're like, oh, we're going to put rainbow tape on our sticks. We, we're allies. Like, what is yeah. that? Why? Like, oh, we're, we're putting rainbow tape on our sticks and auctioning them off after warm-ups. So we solved Pride. Yep. Homophobia like, doesn't exist anymore. Like, I don't get that. But then they're going to go where make sure they have these ex- extravagant green jerseys and do all this stuff for St. Patrick's Day. Like, I don't understand it. Like, it's as much effort as they put into Hockey Fights Cancer, they should put into Pride. You know what I, I mean? I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. So, uh, it's just performative and icky. And I think this is exposing something that has been around for a while. Like I said, the policy's been around, obviously, just no one's highlighted it until now. Mm-hmm. So I I don't know I like I said earlier I just hope that I, it'll probably get worse before it gets better but then when it gets better I hope it gets better. Agreed. Agreed. All right. I I'm sad. Let's let's not talk about this anymore. Let's not talk about this anymore. I, but it was necessary to talk about because it's a huge it is a huge issue and it's something that we we should highlight and discuss because I don't think we'd be doing our due diligence if we didn't talk about it. Yeah, for sure. All right, so back to the men. Um, The trade deadline's on Monday. We're recording on Friday, so it is April 9th. The trade deadline's in three days. Um, Obviously, as soon as we hit – we stop the recording, uh, (laughs) there could be a trade. As of right now, there really haven't been any significant trades. I mean, you could say the Palmieri-Sadak trade was significant, but what the Islanders gave up was basically nothing. Yeah. For, yeah, for two rentals because they clearly want to go on a cup run. They want to go on a cup run, exactly. And I had said before we started recording, I have one or two things I could say about that trade, and I'm going to say both of them. My first thing is I had seen a quote where he's um, Paul Mary, I guess, had said, or maybe it was the other one. I don't remember who said it, but one of them said that they were like considering going to the Islanders and looking at going to the Islanders. So the fact that. Long Island and the Islanders are like a destination that players want to go is insane because as someone who lives on Long Island and hasn't ever lived anywhere else, um, frankly, I hate it here. So that really um, <laughs> that really must say something about the Islanders and how good that they're getting, um, which is which is very cool. I mean, as a as a Rangers fan, you you can tell I'm being genuine by saying this because I wouldn't say it if I didn't mean it. Um, that I I do genuinely think it's very cool that they're becoming a destination of sorts for players, and it's it really is a testament to their growth as a team over the past couple of years. And my only other thought is um, I can't imagine a grown man looking another grown man in the face and saying, <laughs> hey, you have to shave your beard or you can't play for my hockey team. I was hoping I, that was one of your points. I can't visualize it. I, I think it's so outdated. I think there's there's almost definitely some like racism rooted in there right like deep down um so I just I just think it's an absolutely ridiculous policy and like I said I I cannot physically am unable to visualize um Lula Morello looking him in the eye and saying you didn't shave camp practice I I can't do it I can't do it as a a Yankees fan uh I will stay silent (laughs) because <laughs> yeah i know the yankees because they also yeah, have is. that policy they've laxed it a lot though yeah um they still are strict about shaving but they have allowed longer hair um, yeah i just don't get it anymore it's just, it is mm-hmm. very outdated i agree yeah. i i mean again as a yankees fan i'm very obsessed with tradition because 
the Yankees are a very historical franchise. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I, I'm not going to say too much because I feel like I'd be a hypocrite. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, it is very funny. And uh, Connor Carrick made some funny comments about it. Um, who was he wasn't Kyle wrong Paris either. Huh? Carrick wasn't wrong in what he said either. About no, he wasn't him. wrong either. <laughs> yeah, the eyebrows are out of control. Uh, for those who didn't see it, Connor Carrick, uh, who's formerly of the Maple Leafs, we plays for the Devils now. Uh, he is was a teammate of Kyle Palmieri's. Kyle Palmieri has very bushy eyebrows. So when it came out that uh, Palmieri had to shave for Lou, uh, Connor said, shocked that Lou let him keep the eyebrows. So a little chirp. I love I love chirps like that. <laughs> love a good chirp. Um, I mean the Islanders gave up a first round pick for Paul Mary. Uh, the Devils GM though he said something to the effect of, "I hope the first round picks the thirty second overall pick because it would be great yeah. to see the, them win a cup." I was like, "I'm sorry, what?" Like it's yeah, a nice sentiment, but it's like. Mm. So you're basically like, oh, I hope our pick is really bad, but I hope these guys play well. Like, like I, not exactly. I don't know what's going on over there. I mean, the Devils are like not that, not the best run team in the world. I think that's, I don't think that's a secret. Um, but to say that out loud in a press conference is another level. I think. Yeah, maybe think it in your head. Maybe don't yeah, say that. Out loud. You can say <laughs> it in <laughs> private all you want because <laughs> that's sweet. But geez. even say it to like I, I would. It would have made sense even if he said it to like Palmieri and Zaggy. Like, hey, I hope you guys, you know, right. do well over there, and I want to see you guys win a cup. And I know one of them said something to that effect too, because the they played the Flyers. Um, the Islanders just played the Flyers, and there was a quote. I and again, I can't remember if it was from Palmieri or Zajac. Basically, like, oh, I love playing there, but I want to win a cup. Like, flat out, like, yeah. wanted to win. So, I, I mean, it's a good sentiment, but, like, don't don't tell everyone that, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, and they're – so they also – the Devils also uh, put Nikita Gusev on unconditional waivers because they're terminating his contract. <laughs> so they're basically just selling off everybody. Uh, I have a family friend who's a Devils fan, and she was like, yeah, we have a high school team now. I thought, um, according to Devil's social media, Twitter, fans, whatever I'm trying to say there, I thought he was better than Panarin. I thought that was the that was the growing sentiment, apparently. That's what people Among thought. He's better than Devil's Panarin. Fans, he was better than Panarin because they had similar <coughs> KHL. Okay. Because they had similar... Sorry <laughs> to hear my dog in the background. I should have closed It's all good. We love dogs here. But, um, because I'll try to close the door while he goes He did off. have really good KHL numbers. Yeah, and I think that's why a lot of it was like, oh, he's as good of or as better than Panarin because they both had similar KHL numbers. But just because he was good in the KHL doesn't necessarily mean, you know, that was going to translate over to the NHL. But I thought that was just a funny comparison. And then someone made a video of, like, all the Devils fans saying, like, oh, Gusev is better than Panarin, and I thought that was kind of a little funny. I, little funny if there's, thing. if there's anything I've learned growing up in New York and being a New Yorker is that Islanders fans and Devils fans are very sensitive. Um, I mean, Rangers, Rangers fans are too. I think just New York sports fans in general are very protective and sensitive, um, because I think it would be, like I said, hypocritical to say, like, oh, Islanders and Devils fans are so sensitive. Meanwhile, me, a New York Rangers fan. Um, but, yeah, they're very sensitive, especially when it comes to, like, other teams in the area signing big free agents or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Panarin situation was also 
unique in that the Islanders offered him more money and he chose the Rangers. Am yeah, I back? I Can I you hear that. me? Am I good? We lost okay, Jack for my a bit, little thing is back. Okay. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, you're good. Um well, ho- well, hopefully that I doesn't. Either. I don't know how that affects the recording. We'll we'll have to find out. It'll be an adventure. Well, we'll find, we'll find out. out. Um. So, uh, yeah, that's the devil situation. They seem like they're ready to just tank again. Uh, they're so when they changed the lottery, uh, draft lottery thing. One of the th- one of the rules is now you can't win the lottery a certain amount of times, <laughs> three times in a row in a five year span. Yeah, I think I it is. Know. But they're not grandfathering in the last Ooh. five years. It's starting effective as of 2022. So Okay, so basically the yeah. Devils could So basically the Devils are exempt because they've won twice, but it doesn't matter. They're starting at one. Okay. If they, Let's say for some reason, I mean, it should be the Sabres, but let's say they win the draft lottery this summer. That would be – that wouldn't even be it. I think it's effective the following year. So they would be completely yeah. still at zero. Okay. So – yeah, Lou's, Lou's big Lou, Lou is big braining the devils. They're like, well, you want to tank? I'll I'll take two of your players. Um okay, so that was the one trade, and then the Panthers are a big player, apparently. They made a once minor trade so far. Um Yay. they traded Brett Connolly to the Blackhawks um and got prospects in return. Uh Yes, they got prospects in return. Lucas Walmark, who they've already had previously, and somebody else. They traded Riley Stillman and, like, one other player to the Blackhawks for uh, – and it was Riley Stillman, Brett Connolly, and one other player for the – so they were dumping salary, and I think they're not done yet. Who isn't? Rumor is who they might go after Taylor Hall. They have to- – they have something. They have they have something ridiculous in like right. eighteen million deadline cap space because you can go over in the playoffs and whatever. Yeah. Um, so they're not going to be done because I think obviously you have Joel Quenville, so you can you can go on a run. Um, but speaking of Taylor Hall, uh, you know this yeah. the, the Sabers just want us to keep talking about them. Um, so Darren Drager was on a uh, a radio show in Buffalo called The Instigators. Um, which is actually a good show. Um, Buffalo Sports Radio is decent. So um, Drager went on and said, there's a lot of conversation happening with the Sabres. It's not just Hall and Montour. I'm curious about Ristolainen. <laughs> right, yeah. Which is, is every year, so I'll believe it when yeah. I see it. I was going to say, isn't Ristolainen always in trade rumors? Yep, I'll believe it when I see it. My sources have indicated that the Sabres have had three conversations in the past 24 hours with teams about trading Taylor Hall. It's conceivable that the Islanders circle back to him. I assume that the Sabres are going to have to eat some of his contract, obviously, because $8 million is a lot of money. The only way, so obviously it comes back to Toronto because everything comes back to Toronto. The only way Toronto has interest in Taylor Hall is if the market completely erodes by Monday and the Leafs still need a forward. Um, Teams have called about Linus Allmark, the goalie. But that was a while ago. The priority for the Sabres is to keep him. They should keep him. Um, I haven't heard Sam Reinhart get mentioned once in the past two or three weeks. That usually means the market's cool. So basically, who we thought they're going to trade, they're going to trade. Maybe Rasmus Ristolainen, but they've maybe yeah. been trading yeah, that's, Rasmus that's Ristolainen that's for like pretty much here every year. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, I think the trade deadline's going to be boring. I really do. Uh I heard that Winnipeg is like in the running to get Ekholm. Sure. <laughs> so sure. Yeah, I haven't heard about him in a while. 
Yeah, and uh, Savard for Columbus was held out for precautionary reasons. Um, Detroit is holding out some people for precautionary reasons. Uh, Bobby Ryan's done for the year, unfortunately. He was a candidate Ooh, to get traded, but he's no uh, hurt. I think he has a sports hernia or something. Um, Zach Wierenski is also out for the rest of the year. So maybe Columbus keeps Savard in the end. I don't know. Um and what was who and Taylor Hall obviously has been out for precautionary reasons, but I don't know. I I, I think we'll no, be I done early. And I think on trade deadline um, day. I don't know. About I you think guys. you really hit the nail on the head. I feel like I say that all the time. You really hit the nail on the head. Um, uh, a couple of episodes ago, where you had said mm-hmm. there's just too much going on this season for trades to really happen between COVID and when the players are the players nice when the playoffs are going to be when the cup is going to be when the draft is going to be. I think it's just such an unusual year that it's really not worth the risk of like trading any big names like I feel like the Zajac Palmieri like I feel like they're only big names because I have friends who like the Devils and because the Riveters used to play at the uh, Devils practice facility and they had like a sandwich named after Kyle Palmieri um, at the little snack window so I feel like that's the only reason I you know I feel like I only really um, think they're bigger names because did something happen (gasps) we were trying to announce I'm sorry yeah, we have a trade to announce. Oh. Uh, now I'm like... I'm only laughing. I'm only laughing. I will tell you why. But okay. the Maple Leafs have acquired Riley Nash from... Okay. They okay. need forward depth. So they acquired Riley Nash from Columbus in exchange playoff. for a conditional seventh. I'm guessing the condition is oh, like playoff. Okay. playoff how far they get in the playoffs. Um, so yeah. that was a very minor trade. It's for depth. They need forward depth, especially since William Nylander's out with the, on the COVID protocol. Um, he had a close a close contact to him. Uh, had an inconclusive test, I believe. So he mm. needs to test negative, but he has to wait a certain amount of time or whatever. Um, right. The only reason I laughed is because so Riley Nash used to be a Hurricane, and uh, sorry, that's that I don't know if you guys yeah, have seen him, see but he looks like a Ken doll. <laughs> he literally looks like Ken. So my friends and I, every time we see him, we're just like, oh, actual Kendall Riley Nash. So I can't, I can't look at him without being like, oh my God. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, okay. It's, did, yeah. You, did you look him up? Yeah. I Hit the nail on the head. Hit the nail on the head. He looks like a Kendall. I see that. I see that. Um, I'm, I'm excited I, we got I a just, trade. I can't miss. Um, <laughs> yeah, we add a, we got a trade on air. Um, Cause I saw my phone light up and it said trade. I was like, oh. Amazing. I know. And I like rushed to Twitter. Yeah, it's um. Wait, is he? They traded for Riley Nash. He's currently injured. And I literally, so rough. I literally just saw the Blue Jackets tweet just now. Uh, it becomes a sixth round pick if Nash okay. plays in twenty five percent of the Maple Leafs playoff games. Okay. So I figured it was something to the effect of like how far they yeah, got in the yeah. playoffs, how much he played in the playoffs, if he scored in the play, whatever it is. Right. It's always it's always those ones at the deadline, those conditions, right? Mm-hmm. Like if we win the cup or whatever. Yeah. So oh, um, sideline. Yeah, I mean the, that kind of goes along with what uh, I was saying though. Like I I was um, saying I feel like Zajac and Palmieri are only like big names to me because like. I have friends who like the Devils and because I'm from the tri-state area. And I was going to say, I feel like we're not really going to see any, like, big name trades. And I kind of feel the same way about Riley Nash. Like, I know who he is because um, he's R. Nash and Rick Nash is also R. Nash. And and I think they were on the same team at some point. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was going to say my memory's yeah, they were. failing they, a little they, bit, I but I feel like briefly. after he left the Rangers, uh, they were on the same team. So, like, I, f- I feel like that's, like, a middle-tier name, middle-tier trade. Um, yeah, it's it's for depth. I, I said this. I was having a con- – my, my dad's been visiting, so we were having a conversation, but – um, I think a lot of the trades that'll happen will be those for like the contenders to yeah. try to bolster the roster for the cup run. So, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's what the Leafs need forward depth very desperately. I yeah. didn't realize how bad it was Ooh. until William Nylander wasn't playing. And I was like, oh, oh, no. Um, so I think Riley Nash will help. They probably will still be in mm-hmm. on somebody else because I know they want I think they want to trade Alex like Kerfoot. So maybe a bigger a bigger trade is looming with that. Yeah. That feels so time is they real. got him in the Tyson Berry <laughs> trade. Yeah. No. That that trade doesn't look great, honestly, because <laughs> so I read something really interesting. This is a complete tangent, but I read something really interesting. Uh Nazem Kadri has more even strength points than John Tavares. <laughs> in the time That's frame. Bad. Like since Yeah. Yeah. I mean, John Tavares is a playoff point is a power play point machine and and he does have have an absurd amount of points with with the Leafs since he got yeah. there. But I yeah. thought that stat was uh, very it's interesting. That's a stat for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a stat. I mean, it's just it, I only and it's 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 worth bringing up because of how much money the Leafs have tied up in in three players, um, and clearly it's affecting their depth now. Um, but. I, I mean, Riley Nash, I think, will be a fine addition for them once he's healthy. Um, and they'll probably make more moves. But I think the big the big trades, the except I guess Eckholm yeah. excluded. Yeah. The other big names won't move till the Eichels summer. The like Bless the Eichels of the world. I can see it. <laughs> well, can't wait for that. Silly season. Um, but yeah, for now, I think we'll be quiet. <laughs> I, I, I think us, we'll probably like, be done by like the middle we'll of the be afternoon. Quiet. <laughs> Oh, we'll be quiet. We won't say anything. We're <laughs> I have no comment. Um, I kind of want to find that thing. About that is Padre really interesting. Now, yeah, I thought it was so. Yeah, and I also think there was just a lot surrounding Kadri about like mm, controversy, his attitude in the locker room, and then you had like the Tavares drama and the whole thing, whole thing. I was gonna say while well, you're while well, you're trying to find that to, to yeah not to like shift completely I mean stay on the trade deadline kind of because I saw some interesting things coming out of I don't know necessarily out of Philly but room rumors around the league that Ooh. a lot of teams were interested in Scott Lawton which I thought was hmm. which I thought was interesting he he is that kind of good depth piece that you know it makes sense that teams are interested in but I also saw. And I guess this isn't shocking to me based on how things have been reported this season, but reportedly, and I want to say, I don't remember who said it on like his show, um, that the Flyers have apparently been shopping Patrick Hart. And based on what's been coming out this season, that's not a surprise to me. But as I've kind of written, as I I wrote in my own piece um, for Puck Up a couple weeks ago, with the patience with Patrick, I think is a, a lot of people aren't really giving him the benefit of the doubt. Now, I don't know how much benefit of the doubt you can give someone when they're not producing, but when you think about what happened and everything, it just seems like a lot of people are really quick to jump ship on him because when that report came out, everyone was like, good, like 
I do like go mm. ahead. I trade him for like a fifth round pick. I saw someone say, you know, just get him out of here. So I thought, I, I mean, it wasn't a surprise to kind of hear that the Flyers are shopping him, but it, it also just seems like another player that the Flyers aren't really giving the time. Yeah, that they should be. I think that happens a lot, unfortunately. Yeah, it's that yeah. it's that change of scenery thing everybody talks about. Yeah, I think that's essentially it, what it is. I mean, it happened with JT Miller a few years ago because. Uh, he came up at at a time when AV took over mm. the team and, and AV never really liked him, never really – they never really jived that well. The system wasn't really, like, conducive to, to Miller's play and he didn't get a lot of ice time. And then he went to Tampa, but he didn't stay. He went to um, Vancouver in a, in a trade – in a draft day trade. Um, and he ended up putting up, like he, – he got heart trophy nominations last year. So, I, 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 as much as we poo-poo the 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 change of scenery no, thing is like a cliche, I think it does. Like in the situation you just sometimes. described, and then sometimes it doesn't work. And you're Ryan Strom, and you leave the Islanders, and you go to the Oilers, and you get like two points in twenty games. Yeah, I, I remember, I remember dark time, dark time. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think the I think the consensus yeah, sure. I'm seeing so far is that the trade's good for the Leafs, and I agree. Um, and the thing that I just kind of noticed because I was curious how long he was going to be out. He's out uh, four to six weeks, so he's essentially so out for what appears to be the rest of the regular season. I think it was purely a playoffs move. Yeah, it seems it seems like it's one of those. I, I think for the Leafs, the focus is sh- really shifting to the playoffs because we're down to like fi- fi- some teams have 15 games left, some teams have 17 games left. So I think the the focus now, especially with the trade deadline and the fact that people have to, he's going to have to quarantine, he would have had to quarantine anyway, um, coming up from Ohio, obviously. Um, I think the focus now is yeah, whoever we exactly. get, they have to be ready for the playoffs. And and we're utilize we're using utilizing their skill set in the playoffs. That's why I, I think a lot of these uh like moves are gonna be from the contending teams to get guys they think will perform for them in the playoffs or be extra depth in the playoffs. I don't think we'll see aside from Ekholm because I think Nashville should sell and they clearly want to get rid of him. I don't think we'll see I a think- lot of other big names go. That's my th- I mean, how, how- Far at, yeah, they're five points ahead in the standings for first place. So, with sixteen games left, yeah. So, so pretty much looking, looking yeah, towards so, the playoffs. Yeah, they're pretty much. I think if, if I'm Kyle Dubas, I'm looking towards the playoffs, especially yeah, since yeah, they I cannot lose in the first round again. Yeah, <laughs> and it's and it's and it's interdivisional the playoffs. So I think I so. think it's one versus four. It would make sense to be one four. Um, so that means they play Montreal in a first round series. No, absolutely. So, not. I, I so especially you cannot lose in the first round to Montreal. I was about like, to say. The only I other think worst thing would really be losing to Boston from this. <laughs> like, okay, we're gonna be good now because we got William Melander. We're gonna be good now because we got Austin Matthews. We're gonna be good now because we got John Tavares. And I just feel like, like it's becoming a boy who cried wolf thing. Like. We're going to be good now. Oh, sorry. We lost to Boston in the first round. We're going to be good now. Oh, sorry, guys. We lost in the first round again. But, like, we're going to be back. We're going to be back. And I just think that that's getting old very quickly. Um, For someone who 
barely pays attention to the Leafs, but they're maybe like my my second or third favorite team. Um, it's getting old for me, so I can't imagine how it is for like a Sam who's more invested in the Leafs, and I can't imagine it for a Steve Dangle personally. Um. <laughs> oh well, I. Mean- I- I, we all know Steve. I think uh, yeah. we've seen we've seen how he feels about it. I think very, if they uh, lose in the first round to Montreal, um, this, but... we're going to get another Nashville nine two esque video from Mister Dangle. <laughs> oh, absolutely! I love him. Absolutely, Mister Dangle will have a lot to say. Um, but I mm. I do want to like yeah. I think it's going to be brought up the Leafs because I did want to bring up Jack Campbell. Um, he is an mm. ama- he's a wonderful story. Um, he's paid his dues a lot in the league. Um, he was drafted by Dallas and didn't really get the time of day. And then he kind of rebounded and found his way through the minors to LA. Um, and he credits the goalie coach from LA a lot, uh, for his, his resurgence, I guess. Um, and Kyle Dubas actually has a connection to him. He traded for him in junior when he was the GM of the Sioux. Um, so they had a, a prior relationship, and Kyle Dubas has a track record of bringing back those guys that he saw in junior. But I think in this case, it's really working out, and I think <laughs> Jack is thriving on having a chance. Um, he won ten. Uh, he won his first ten yeah, games, crazy. which is a not only a franchise record but an NHL record. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was very emotional about it. The, the guys really care about him, uh, and you can tell. Uh, him and Austin Matthews and him and Mitch Marner had really long conversations on the ice after the game. And he got emotional about it in the press conference. Um, mm-hmm. So with Freddie out, and I'm not so high on Freddie anyway, um, I think Jack Campbell's the hand that you ride through the playoffs. And then based on how Michael Hutchinson performed in the playoffs, like, I don't hate that that sure. would be their tandem um, going into the playoffs I, I right do now think, if Freddie doesn't get healthy. Um, again, for my minimal Leafs knowledge, um, I am invested for Mitch Marner and because I used to cover them for Puck Rub. So that is my investment. Um, but I I think that would be the best goalie tandem. I think that, you know, Freddie is very hit or miss. And I think more recently, um, the the hit portion of hit or miss has not been as prominent i'm very nicely trying to say that i don't think they should trust him in the playoffs um but yeah and i think that michael hudgeson you've seen like a really big turnaround from him like when i was regularly covering leafs games and i was watching them i was like oh brother this guy stinks but not as much anymore so that is my expert analysis of the leafs goaltending situation um thanks for listening <laughs> but yeah i i agree with what you said sam i think that I'm really not as high on Freddie anymore either. And I think that a lot of people are kind of sharing that sentiment. So I think it'd be smarter to maybe not trust him as hard in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't even know if he's going to be healthy for the playoffs. They're very, they're being very, um, they're being very mysterious about his health. Um, but I, and I know that they're waiting to reevaluate mm-hmm. and everything, but honestly, just Jack Campbell's been doing great. Yeah, if it ain't and- broke. You have to ride momentum like that. I think yeah. hockey's a hockey's hockey's a very momentum sport. In, in those kinds broke, of ways, like players get very streaky. It. So that should be the title of the episode. Correct. Don't Pretty fix it. <laughs> if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Oh. You, 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 <laughs> you gave us like, the title uh, of the last episode. Best sport so. worst league. Yeah. I may, maybe we had some quotable. Best sport worst league in this one. <laughs> 
I think I think I well what, some someone on our staff at Pucker Up DM me and was like, uh, your quote, you know how hockey men hate <laughs> women. New is my favorite bio. Thing you ever. know how hockey men hate women. <laughs> I, you know how yeah. hockey men, but yeah, hate women because I didn't know how else to say it, but it yeah, it just turned out to be a quote. Um, so before we uh, wrap this up, I mean, does anyone else have anything they would like to talk about? Uh, no, I think I kind of went off on my very mini tangent. I think we went on, we went on multiple tangents today and I think it was worth it. It was, it, it turned out good. Um, I haven't. Have you guys been to a game yet this year? Uh, one game. Yeah. Yeah. You, Ariel, you went for media, right? One game is media. One game is a fan. So technically two. Because I did want to just shout out really quick, like Mm -hmm. the, the, the people cycling back to the beginning when I talked about going to games. Um, I do want to shout out the people that work at these arenas um, and have been keeping us safe the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, because at least at PNC mm-hmm. Arena, I don't know if this is the same at, at the Farg, um, <laughs> but uh, the staff were mm-hmm. very diligent about yes. making sure we had masks on. Um, my dad was ha- taking a sip of his drink and left his mask down for like another extra <laughs> second. And a woman... She was in two sections over a staff member, saw him, and was like, sir, please put your mask on. Um, they're very diligent about it. They're always wiping off the handrails. They have, like, separate sanitation staff mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. aside from arena staff. Um, and they're just being very uh, diligent. I keep saying diligent, but they are being very diligent about keeping us safe and mm-hmm. letting us enjoy the game safely. Sure. And I – I think that they deserve credit because yeah, I, I've I, I've heard really I, I good things. Like um, I yeah. heard at one of the games at the Garden in New York City, like uh, this girl had tweeted that she got pretzels and she was like taking a bite of her pretzel, and <laughs> the security guard or whoever came up to her and was like, "Why isn't your mask?" And she was like, "Oh, I was eating." And he was like, "Put it on in between bites." So like they're like you said, I think that's the word is they're being very diligent, and I think <laughs> yeah. as somebody who hasn't been to a game, well, I. My last like sporting event was uh, March 2020. It was an NWHL game, but I haven't been to an NHL game since like November 2019. Because you, you know, you know the Rangers and how their games cost multiple limbs. Um, <laughs> so um, I think you know, yeah. looking towards the future of um, what live sports is going to look like for fans, and you know, I I personally don't think I would go until I get fully vaccinated. That's just who I am. But I think looking towards the future. Um, it's really nice to know that they're, they are being so good about it and, you know, they do genuinely care and want to be safe for everybody. So, yeah. Yeah. What's it been like at the, at Wells Fargo Center? Um, well, it was a little bit different. I'll probably talk about it as a fan more than as the media, because obviously with no fans in the arena, you can kind of spread out the media a lot more, but, um, I don't know if I've noticed necessarily a Santa State sanitation staff if i can speak but i know they were very adamant about masks because there were a couple people in front of us that had their masks down for a little bit Mm -hmm. someone literally came up and said you know hey put your mask on so they were they were also very diligent and things were very spread out and even in the seats they had like this little (laughs) paper you know showing you how to order food on your phone you know it had like the little qr code and like you know this is how you order it tell like this is where when you can pick it up blah 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 stuff like that. So they were kind of very diligent, I'd say also, and adamant, again, a good word to use about making sure everyone had their masks up and everyone was seated. 
you know, in separate, I think the Flyers were doing two and four, which I think mm-hmm. is pretty similar to what all teams yeah, are doing. Yeah, PNC, I it's think it's two and four as well. You know, when they have everything on the seats, like this is where you could sit. I mean, the only thing I guess I'd say is the people in front of me kind of weren't sitting in the seats that said they could sit in. Like That happened I mean, to I me guess, as well. In a we, way, my dad they and were I, distancing, yeah. but... My dad and I actually ended up moving in our section because the... Um, I, we were told that there'd be no one sitting in front of us and all these people came and sat in front of us. So we moved a couple rows back because for some reason, like behind us in the section was pretty much almost empty. So we just moved a few yeah. rows up, um, which wasn't that big a deal. Um, yeah, I don't think, I, I mean, I guess it really wasn't that big of a deal since there's not a lot of people in the row. It, you're right. pretty much like you're at one end and like all the way down at the other end is when they had, yeah. you know, another group. So I guess- Yeah, this was the first time- yeah, this was the first time where people were like directly in front of us. Like they were not six feet apart from us. So we might we felt a little uncomfortable, so we moved, but Yeah, no, um, that, that's understandable, yeah. But yeah, they even had like a little instructional video about this is how you're supposed to wear your mask. <laughs> and then awesome. when you take yes, a sip, the flyers put the mask right too. back up. Um, yeah, the flyers showed that too. That was yeah, it, but I just wanted to to acknowledge that and shout it out because like I said, it's not an easy job to do. It's uh not especially if you have if the worker hasn't been vaccinated yet it's not as exactly the safest thing to be doing um so for i mean we're all taking risks right but i just oh, yeah. i commend these people for going to every mm-hmm. game and 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 trying to keep yeah. us all safe and um yeah and yeah i think that's a great way to to end it end it off cuz Yay for life kind of getting back to normal and for people having jobs and for everyone being safe. Uh, Yeah. So uh, that'll do it for this week's episode (laughs) of Bunch of Beauties. Um, I didn't do this last time, so I'm going to make sure I do it this time. Um, You can follow us at Pucker Up Sports on everything, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, And you can also check us out at PuckerUpSports.com. All of our written content's there. Uh, A transcription of the episode will be up. Um, like it has been the past few weeks and it also have links to where you can listen to where you can stream. (laughs) I don't know why you would need that now since you're listening, but yeah, for future reference, if you want to find the episode, I just just go to the website or um, this will go up tomorrow, right? Um, yeah. So, um, Uh, promo for some of the, uh, the articles that I have up on pucker up because this weekend is WrestleMania weekend on Saturday and Sunday. And I did a series of articles on the founding four NWHL teams. So that's the Riveters, the Whale, the Buttes, and the Pride um, as the four horsewomen of women's wrestling. And I had a lot of fun writing it. Uh, The first two parts are up right now, which are Charlotte Flair as the Boston Pride and Becky Lynch as the Buffalo Buttes. And the last two parts are hopefully, I think, coming out um, tomorrow and Sunday. So I had a lot of fun writing them so i think people would also have fun reading them especially for wrestlemania weekend happy mania weekend yay (laughs) there's a there's a lot of crossover between hockey fans and wrestling fans so i think it's cool that we're putting content like that out on the website and i'm glad that uh you're gonna you get to talk about things because i know you're first ever main event with two Um, black women this year for wrestlemania Yes, we love for that. sure. <laughs> Hockey, take notes. All right, guys. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you guys mm-hmm. next week.